Hello, everybody. Hi, sorry about that little bit of interruption there, you know, life on life's terms there. So hello, my name is Mark M and I'm an abstinent compulsive overeater and food addict. I just want to thank uh, Cindy for bringing me in. She kind of reached out to me and Amber for your chair and everybody else doing service at this meeting. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm grateful to be here with you all. Um, when I came into this program, April 18th, 2007. Uh, I, at that point, I was 519 pounds. Um, I had a 78-inch waist. And the reason I say that around the waist, the 78-inch waist, is because I actually, at that time, was suggested by my nutritionist that I weigh myself blindly. Um, essentially, I get on the scale and I don't know how much I weigh. I have not known how much I weigh for more than 16 years. By the way, April 18, 2007, that is also my abstinence date. Right, so um, I will say I had a 78-inch waist then, and I now have like a 36-inch waist, and I maintain my abstinence throughout this this whole process, which is which amazes me to this day, to be honest with you, because you know 519 pounds that was that was a very high weight that I was at at that time. It wasn't the highest I'd ever recorded. 525 pounds was the highest I'd ever recorded myself, um, and I always say to people that you know, that weight that I weighed was a physical manifestation of how much fear I was in and what I did around that. It wasn't so much around me being the fear, but it's what I did with it that, that was the big part. And it had, that had to do a lot with my faith, right, and um, uh, where my faith was in, in the, at that time and, and, and during my, my eating disorder. Um, so this is my own personal story, my own personal journey and recovery. So please take what you need and leave the rest. Um, so again, you know, <clears throat> talking about that weight that I was at, um, uh, I was, uh, I always kind of start off like a little bit of childhood. You know, I lived in a, a close family physically, but we weren't very close emotionally. And, and that's not, you know, that's really just because I don't think we had any other language. Right. You know, this disease, you know, my father was an alcoholic. My mom was a compulsive overeater. You know, he was in his disease and gone most of the time. And again, it, you know, they were doing the best they could. If I look back at their family and family before that, this is a this is a family disease. You know, they could only give what they were given. And I'll, I'll tell you, listen, when they were there, they were there. Like my mom was always there and she, I felt very loved. My dad was gone a lot. You know, but when he was there and when he was not in his alcoholism, he was amazing. And I look at his, his life that he had before, you know, before I even came along, you know, God, I don't know what I would have done, you know. But that being said, you know, what happened happened to me and how I grew up is how I grew up. And, and a lot of it was life that was happening in front of me and people doing the best they could. But I always love looking at the, the phrase from Freedom from Bondage in the, in the big book page 544, I am the result of the way I reacted to what happened to me as a child, right? And, and that's really important because that concept of the way I reacted to what happened to me as a child is important because it wasn't the events of what happened to me. Some of those things should not have happened to me, right? It's, it's okay, right? They, but they shouldn't. I shouldn't have had to go through some of those things. But the thing about it is, is if my recovery is based on what happened to me, I'm in deep trouble because I cannot change that. Right. You know, it, it's an inside job for me. And, and the main thing for me is, is freedom from bondage is an inside job and I could be free today. Right. And never have to go back to, to any of that place. And I talked about faith. I talked about that fear that I had that I lived in. I mean, I, I basically had a fear suit. 
I mean, I, I, it, was a, it was a suit around me, if you will, this sort of field around me that everything that came in, everything that came in to me through my eyes, through my ears or whatever was distorted based on the faith that I had at that time. And it was not a faith that worked. It was a faith based on fear. And everything that went out from me was distorted because the real me inside really didn't know how to cope. And I was lost. And I ate, I satiated myself from all of that fear. I medicated myself with food. And the thing is, is I, I feel like fear tends to fall into three different buckets. Not getting what I want, losing what I have, being found out. And every one of those fired off for me. But I'm going to tell you the big one, the being found out, that's the one that my dark passenger is built on, that I didn't measure up that I didn't belong in this world, that I wasn't good enough. That's the piece. That was where my faith was. I, I remember coming in this program, and, and not, not long after working the first three steps in here, I remember thinking, I, I was like, it, it was like God was talking to me in some moment at that, and I was listening, and, and it was this piece around, like, I thought I didn't have any faith, but I did have faith. It's just where was my faith? Right. Feelings are not evidence of truth. They're evidence of what I'm putting my faith in. Right. And in those moments, in that moment when I was deep and deep into this disease, my faith was in the lies that I was telling myself about myself and the world around me. Right. My faith, my faith was a faith that did not work. You know, I, I was in charge of my life for 42 years and I did not love myself. I didn't forgive myself. I didn't trust myself or even believe in myself. How do you think that's going to turn out? My foundational problem is over-reliance on self. I remember my mom talking about me as a little kid. You know, she said, you'd put your hands on your hips, and she said, you'd stomp your little foot, and you said, I'd do it my known self. Right? Well, how true was that? How true was that? Over-reliance on, on self, right? In the big book, it says, the first requirement is that we become convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And that's what I have found in my story. You know, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I cannot remember a time when I, never, when, when I wasn't a compulsive eater, right? And that doesn't have to do with my size because I've looked at images of me when I was younger and I wasn't really like you know, large size or whatever, but I was always a compulsive overeater, probably always just a compulsive person in general. I don't really know, but it's that, it's that God-sized hole that I had that I brought along with me everywhere else that was the fuel for that, right? That lie that I was telling myself about myself and the world around me, you know? And, and so, you know, it wasn't very long when I was in high school, you know, um, you know, and, and I always say this, you know, food is not my problem. Food was my answer. It just happened to be the answer that was killing me. Maybe one, maybe I picked that up and maybe it saved me. But as I went through life, it just was, it was killing me little by little, bit by bit. And so I was 200, 200 pounds in ninth grade of high school. And I went to, my mom took me to my first pay and way and I lost 50 pounds. And I thought, oh my God, this is it. This was the problem. This is what the problem was. I was just an overeater and I just couldn't control. And now I got this thing, this, this, this food plan. It's all I had. That's all I, I got that and a little bit of support, you know, in that pay, in that pay and way. 
and uh, program. And so, so I lost that weight and I got out there and I started to get into life. You know, I thought, okay, now I'm, 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 I get to have the life that I always wanted. And what happened? Life happened in front of me. The way I reacted to what happened to me as a child, life came in front of me. Right. But, 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 and that's all it was. Things didn't go the way that I thought that I thought they should. Right. The show doesn't come off very well. Right. As it says in the big book, he, big book, he becomes angry and indignant, indignant and self-pitying. Self-pitying for me was like a big one. Right. And so I basically, for me, seeing that happen in front of me after I lost that weight and I thought, he, I, you know, it's all going to be okay, seeing that happen, it just, I had no faith to help me in that moment other than the dark passenger, the faith and fear, the faith and the lies I was telling myself. And so what happened? I basically used that as a way to say, I validate, I, everything that happened validated what I thought about myself. And I just shrinked back into that hole. And I remember telling myself that I was always meant to be on the outside of life looking in. Nobody told me that. I told myself that. And I just just like sucked back into that hole. And I, I, I made it almost my brand, right? You know, I, I got very good at living with crumbs that I gave myself because of that. If I look at all that period over my life, mine was a life of just the minimal of what I could do never really having a faith that worked that was like, what would God have me be, which is what was given to me in this program. And so, you know, not very long, I, I, gained, I was up to 250 pounds, and then, you know, and then again, pay and weigh, went down to 175 pounds, used a program that just had a food plan, a little bit of support and whatever, and not really dealing with the, the, uh, uh, the foods that caused me to eat compulsively, those those alcoholic foods, those red foods that, that I just cannot handle. I can't control. It's just I'm powerless over them, right? If, I, if they're there, I pick them up, right? And so, so I, I lost from two, 250, I lost 200, 170. I went down to 175 pounds and went into college. And then, but by the time I'm out of college, I'm, I'm up to 300 pounds and started into the workforce of life, you know? And here I am in work, my first job, right? And and I have my own my own a place, so I don't have to hide my food very much, or at least when I was home, right? I didn't have to hide my eating behaviors when when I was when I was home. So I was I had a place of my own, I had money, and I had a god-sized hole. And so again, you guys are starting to understand that I really love that <laughs> freedom from bondage. Uh, 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 chapter in the big book, the story in the big book, because there's another thing they said in there. And when I read it, it blew me away. The thing that made the willpower possible was the knowledge that as soon as the day was finished, I could drink, and in my case, eat myself into oblivion. Inside, though, I was scared to death. Maybe I wouldn't be able to hold any job. And I was like, that was me. I would, I would go into work so super early in the morning just so I could even just reach the mark, you know, or get there. And then as soon as the sun came up, I was anxious. Here it is. Like the sun comes up. That's usually hope. But for me, it was like, here comes, here comes all the pain. 
and I made my way the best I could through through work. And then at the end of the day, I just went home and I would gather up all I would on the way home. I'd stop by fast food places, stop by groceries and stock up the bags and boxes of stuff that I would use to to medicate with. And I closed the doors, turned off all the lights and just went into oblivion. I checked out. Right. So so what happened? So so that led to me, you know, uh, uh, not long, it was like 1998. I was 525 pounds. I had to close a business that I had because I wasn't able to keep up. Right? I had a partnership with somebody, and he was doing the best he could, and and I was doing the bare minimum that I could because I was lost in the middle of my disease. I could barely walk. I couldn't buckle the seatbelt in my car. I was too big to fit in the seats of movie theaters and booths and restaurants. I remember people asking me to go to them, and I would be, like, joyful because I, I because it was about connection. But then the next thought right after that was, oh, my God, I'm going to be humiliated because I won't be able to sit in those seats or I'll have to sit on the very edge of it for a period of an hour, and it's painful to sit that way, you know, or to go in a, a, a movie theater that had that didn't the seat the arms wouldn't come up and I wouldn't be able to sit I'd have to stand up to watch and and the humiliation of that just you know they would say do you want to do this I'd think inside yes I do and then and then I'd think about the consequences and then right after that I'd be like oh I can't and I'd make up some excuse and I would check out escaping reality right that's what I did that's what I learned. You know, that's how I learned to cope was just to escape. And so, you know, it was like in May 2006, you know, with a life of, 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 of living that way. I was in a, in a hospital and three doctors were sitting there telling me, Mark, you're going to die if you don't, if you keep doing what you're doing to yourself. And by the way, I, went, I came in there because I thought I was having a heart attack, but it was my blood pressure was crazy out of control. And I remember them telling me that, and I remember thinking, I need, to, I need to be scared of what they're telling me. Because in reality, I was, but that wasn't the thing I was most scared about. I was scared about the fact that they saw, you know, being found out. They saw this person. And I wouldn't talk this way to me now, but this is really what I, the way I talked it, to myself at that point, that I was this ugly, fat, disgusting person that could not even function in life, and they saw that. So that terrified me. But what terrified me even more than that is what they were asking me to do, to give up my friend, food, the thing that I use to medicate myself. If you want to find out how much something has power over you, take it away. Mark, gentle reminder. Thank you very much. Because because the problem is is once I take it away, then I'm left. If I as, as soon as I came in this program and I was working my 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 plan of eating as I was working these steps, I, it's a good thing I was working these steps because I was left with all of those feelings that I was running from. And I was and I spent a lifetime, 42 years, tamping them down where I didn't even hardly feel them. I medicated. I numbed myself. I checked out. <clears throat> and so and so I was scared about them telling me that and I got, you know, it's like I'm like, okay, I'll take this plan of eating that they're giving me. I'm gonna do it this time. And a month after that I'm in a hotel room eating enough food for probably a family of 
eight to 12 people until I could not walk. But what was important in that time is finally, and I always say, God talked to me in that moment. But in reality, what happened was I finally listened. God was always there. I'm the one that pushed him out. Right? And for the first time in life, I heard that and I said, I can't do this by myself. And so I, it set me on a path to come in these rooms. And I, and I got in these rooms you know, a year later almost, right? I asked for help, you know, <clears throat> and, and, you know, I came in into these rooms and, and, you know, one of the things I got is I got a nutritionist because I had no concept of how I was even going to do this. And, and so that person helped me to kind of figure out a plan that dealt with, you know, abstaining from all foods and eating behaviors that caused me to eat compulsively. You know, I got structure around that because I always say I'd heard from people talk about like their, 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 uh, their boundaries, their, their uh, portion control was bag, box, and carton. And that certainly existed for me. But in reality, it was whatever I could get my hands on. But like I said, you know, food was not my problem. Food was my answer. It just happened to be an answer that was killing me. So therefore, I need these 12 steps because these 12 steps keep me sane and happy. They're working on the real problem. The problem is powerlessness. The solution is a power greater than myself. How do I get that power? Through a program of action. And that is the key of this program. This is an action program. You know, and, and I'll kind of go through this one little thing relatively quickly, and I really believe this. I mean, steps one and two, they cover my thinking. Honesty and hope is about my thinking. Step three covers my decisions. That's faith. The decisions I made when I wasn't even in this program was like truth in a blender. You know, the complete belief or trust I had and, you know, in, in the faith that I had was in lies that I was telling myself about myself and the world around me, as I said. Steps four through nine, they cover my actions. Courage, integrity, willingness, humility, self-discipline, and love. These are things about actions, right? You know? And steps 10 and 11 cover my practices and habits, right? This is keeping it up. Once I get this program, steps one through nine, now I got to work it. I either get busy living or get busy. And these steps are about getting busy living, right? perseverance and spiritual awareness. Now, step 12 covers my character, showing up for my others in life. And the thing is, is this 12-step program, it helps me to make conscious and loving choices rather than impulsive or fearful ones. That is what this program does for me every day that I work it, right? The condition of my character shapes my thinking. The condition of my thinking shapes my decisions. Conditions of my decisions shapes my actions. The conditions of my actions shapes my practices and habits. And the condition of my practices and habits shapes my character. This 12-step program offers me healing and transformation at every point in, the, in this loop. This is a spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it, it says in the big book, and that's true. And it's not about I, – I did not believe this program when I came in. But I was told my only job is to take these actions that those with experience, strength, and hope that I find in this program suggest to me and to take them and then to compare my life to what it was like before. That is a spiritual awakening. And I'm almost out of time here, and I'll leave you guys with, you know, listen, trust God, clean house, help others. That's a very good small snapshot of this program in a nutshell. But this is not a program, it, and it's really the action part. Action is a concrete form of willingness, of surrender. 
because this is not a program of figuring things out. It is a program of letting go. This is not a program of learning. It is a program of unlearning. And that is the thing. Happy are ye who know these things and do them, for the only problems I, I have now are those I create when I break out in a rash of self-will. Again, freedom from bondage. Love that chapter. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is a program to me as one to complete sobriety. I no longer need to escape reality. Freedom from bondage. I can't say that that enough. So thanks for letting me share.